It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipittv. You're listening to BGN Radio. Stars up over the ball. This will be it. Stars back to throw. He takes time. He throws over the middle. It's caught at the 15, running hard to the 7-yard line. And down on the 7 is Jim Taylor. The game's over. The game's over. The Eagles are the champions of the world. Listen. Oh, what's going on? Bleeding Green Nation. It is episode number 291. And yes, this is not Vince Quinn. It is uh, John Barchard in for, it's not even a preview show, which is great because that means there's playoffs. And normally at this time, BLG, you and I would be talking about draft prospects and where this team needs to correct itself for next year. We're going to have to do that. It's a very weird feeling, sir. The Eagles have a home playoff game, Johnny, next week. And this week, we get to watch all the other teams beat up on each other and we figure out who the Eagles will play. And it's uh, the lines this weekend are just uh, atrociously large. So we'll get into that in our pick segment, as we always like to do. But, I mean, they're the smallest line is at six and a half. And that's between the Rams and the Falcons. And we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that one. But, you know, BLG, it's it has been a great and weird season. And we've been through the ringer the last three weeks of you know, even even this week, I'm guilty myself for just mentioning on Monday Sudfeld Foles and that guy. You're just like, ah, here we go. And it's not even, you know, I, I think we're all kind of past all that stuff as much as it'll keep, you know, resurging in the cycled of news and sports talk and blogging and, and whatever. But uh, I, I the thing that occurred to me last night is. I don't know how we're going to view Doug Peterson after this playoff game, no matter who comes in. I mean, I think if it's I think if it's Atlanta or somebody like that, that they're going to be a favorite because I don't really see them being a favorite against the Saints or the Panthers, maybe the Panthers, if that happens. But how are we going to view or how are you going to view Doug Peterson if they lose in the divisional round? Because I get there's there's this narrative that's kind of brewing here where, you know, almost like Wentz is starting to cover up Doug Peterson's faults and and that's not the way to go and that's so crazy because two weeks ago you had a lot of national guys including some PFF guys that I was laughing at saying that oh it's a QB friendly system and look here's Nick Foles throwing four touchdowns and then it changed back 
kind of the other way. But I just feel with with all the coaching hires that are happening now, and Jim Schwartz just kind of looks like that's somebody's doing him a favor. DiFilippo, and we'll get into that a little later too. DiFilippo looks like he's actually going to have uh, a lot of contention for at a minimum an OC job now that the Green Bay Packers have basically shoveled everybody out here. But do you think that's kind of happening now? Like if they lose this game, it it might that that conversation towards the offseason might head that way. Well, I mean, talking about questioning Doug Peterson, I think someone specifically said that, oh, no, Doug Peterson is Mike McCarthy to Carson Wentz's Aaron Rodgers. And it's like, like, what? Like, come on, give me a break with that. No, like Doug Peterson has done things on his own merit this season that haven't been Carson Wentz. I mean, you look at his accomplishments beyond the record. I mean, just look at his style, his aggression, the way he goes for it. Like, that's not Carson Wentz, you know, deciding to go for it. It's Doug Peterson. I mean, Doug Peterson has a big influence on this team. I think both of them have a big part in why the team did well this year. But looking into the the scope of this year and how the Eagles went 13-3, and and John, you've said this season was a success, right? Absolutely, 100%. So you're looking at it then, and you're looking beyond this year. What are some of the takeaways you take from the season? It's that you have an MVP-caliber quarterback in Carson Wentz, which is huge, (laughs) and you have, at the very least, a good head coach. And look, this isn't just like one good year for Doug Peterson. We were saying it after last season that – He did some nice things in 2016. It wasn't perfect, and it was hard to fully evaluate him because the talent just wasn't there. You had Dorio Green Beckham as one of your top receivers, so he was very limited in what he could do with that team, but he still showed positive signs, and those positive signs grew this season as everything started to flourish. So I think that's kind of really getting really ridiculous there. If the Eagles lose a playoff game, Uh, As always, I guess it matters how it happens. I mean, if this team just comes out and they look totally unprepared and they just get the crap kicked out of them, then I'm not feeling too awesome about Doug Peterson. It doesn't totally undo the season, but it sure doesn't make me feel great about him. So I think it kind of matters what they do in the playoffs here. But, you know, if it's a a thing where uh, Nick Foles just can't hit open receivers, which has been the case, by the way, in the past couple weeks, and which is why I think it's ridiculous that people keep talking about Doug needs to change the scheme or something. No, it doesn't need to change the scheme. The quarterback needs to hit wide open receivers. So I feel pretty good about Doug. I think I'll still be feeling pretty good about Doug for the most part, kind of no matter what happens, unless it's something extreme. Yeah, that's kind of the silly part of that argument, too, when people are going like, well, you can't. You know, and I still think that I still you can win with Nick Foles. I don't I don't think that's like a, uh, a really an, an outlandish statement by any point. But I do think it's funny that the people that think that Nick Foles plays better than he actually does also are saying the same thing you said. Well, you just got to run the ball more. You know, if that was the case, <laughs> you wouldn't have to run the ball more in in that scenario. And that's kind of been the bigger storyline this week, too, with Jay Ajayi. And, uh, you know, Paul Domowicz had mentioned early on before practice a couple of days ago, I think it was on Wednesday, that you, you know, Jay Ajayi's only had 70 carries in seven games. And that's a lot different than what he was doing in Miami earlier in the year. And there might have been some questions about his his knee. And, and I thought Doug gave pretty straightforward answers in terms of that. Like, they are literally just resting him up. They're getting him ready to go. In fact, I saw something today from Matt Lombardo. It's a quote from him saying, like, I'm just resting up and, and ready to go to war. How much do you think that that was calculated of they're resting him and they want him ready to go? And how much do you think that 
they are actually going to lean on him and go the 20 to 25 carry route because I, I still don't think as as much as I want them to and probably some others want them to, I don't fully expect them to just turn into a running team. But if it gets hot, I don't see them pulling him out as much and going back to the rotation. Where do you think they're what, – what are they going to do with Jay Ajayi? So I buy that they were managing him to some extent. And also you have to look at that. He was learning the scheme here too. I mean, they brought him in from a, a whole different team. He had to learn the playbook. I mean, that took some time. There was a learning curve to get adjusted to this offense that – in turn affected his playing time there. But Doug Peterson did say earlier this week that he could see a little bit more of a role for JHI in the playoffs. That'd be great. I think like if you could get this run game going, that would be awesome. I mean, that would be the ideal. That should be what they try to do, or at least give it a shot, see where it's at in the playoffs, because it goes back to what I talk about with the run game all the time and how Dak Prescott had a good season in 2016 because of a running game. And the same thing with Nick Foles in 2013 because of a running game where you can rely on the run. You don't have to pass as much. You keep the other quarterback and the other offense off the field because you can control the clock. I think that would be great. I just question how they can execute it or if they can really execute it effectively because, look, when your passing game isn't effective, and it hasn't been, and you have Nick Foles in there, teams are going to ask Nick Foles to beat them. They're going to dare Nick Foles to beat them in the playoffs. They're going to bring a safety into the box. They're not going to allow this team to run on them. I mean, and it's it's challenging, too, because if you're the Eagles, and you're trying to run here, and you're just running into a brick wall. I mean, it's going to bring up those third and longs again. You're going to get second and nine, okay, and then third and seven. And all of a sudden, Nick Foles isn't going to be able to make that play on third down to move the chains like Carson Wentz could. So it's not going to be easy. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds so easy. Oh, you just got to run the ball. I mean, they should certainly try it. I'm not opposed to it. But I'll, I'll believe that Ajay is getting 20, 25 carries a game and really just the Eagles are riding that when I see it. Until then, I think it's going to be more so, like in general, the the balanced attack we've seen most of the year. Yeah, so do I. And that's kind of like... Um Makes me a little worried, <laughs> you know, like about every single game. That's why I kind of look at and turn to the defense, and and we'll get way more into that uh, once we actually know what the Eagles' opponent actually is coming in here. I just think there's a lot of different factors in what they talked about this week, and like you said, Brandon, they're, they're looking at 2013 tape. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and that's how they probably should start against really who against everybody. If they end up with the football and the other team defers over, they have opening possession, go tempo. Go go 15 plays or 20 plays or, you know, whatever it is. If it's two and a half yards or four and a half yards at a time and you're you're just churning and it's JJ the whole way and maybe throwing a couple of pop passes there, go score immediately because you want the crowd in it and hopefully the defense turns around and gets a stop right away and can kind of keep them in it for the rest of the game at that point. Um, I, I, I don't know where else that we could – really look at, at Doug Peterson and, and just like we were saying earlier here, BLJ, and not call this a success and also just going back and I just I just happened on, on Twitter like an hour ago. Like I was clearing out my phone and I look at videos and I, I look at Carson Wentz making an amazing uh, scramble play that I completely forgot about against the Chargers and you're just going like, damn, oh man. You know, geez, they were going to win the Super Bowl. And you look at the, how, how he was able to jump, uh, not only him with DeFilippo, the whole, the whole coaching staff as well, as, as long as Carson Wentz just being Carson Wentz. Like, 
to me, I think when we're done fighting about the microcosms of the season, especially when it comes to all, all that small stuff, running the ball more, who should be in a quarterback or whatever. Uh, we're going to look back and go like, what an amazing job that he was able to do and Carson was able to do and everybody else too. It's not just, um, you know, getting getting Jason Kelsey back to form and a lot of that's on the player anyway, but just the fact that he, along with his coaching staff, does deserve a, a ton of credit for it and that all might change in a you know in a in a few months as as uh, all the all the new shifting is going around with these coaches and things like that but i don't i don't know how else to view uh doug really other than like a, a successful guy and and one of the reasons why i i think and this is so weird to me and i know that it's brand new and fresh and this is what the nfl likes to do and and i'm not going to take anything away from Sean McVay here blj because like they he has done a phenomenal job he looks like a genius the, and and his offense really is cranking right along, and he's made Jared Goff look really good at times. And uh, the fact that Todd Gurley has 400 more yards and and whatever it is, 50,000 more touchdowns because and and the same amount of carries as he did last year says a lot about this team. And they're 11 and five, and they're going to the playoffs, and they're the hot ticket. And this is it, it, as an ode to Matt Daring. And I love Michael Silver a lot more than uh, more than I probably should because people people really rail on him for some reason. I don't really understand why, but he came out with this five thousand six thousand word piece on Sean McVay, which is really good. It is exceptionally good to to get all these quotes from literally every walk of life of where McVay touched down and and how it did. But it it, it really went into some like uh, fan fiction type of writing at this point, and I just keep wondering like why is there not enough media attention placed on Doug Peterson really this entire season locally I think we've done that nationally I don't know why in the hell that people aren't going wow what a job Doug Peterson has done with this football team after last season after people were calling for his head in the pressure cooker coming out of this thing and you have you know uh, this incredible winning streak from Arizona to Chicago, and look at these guys. And the the, the team itself got the got the, the the lures of it, and the, Carson Wentz certainly did too. So maybe that's what they're trying to say in a sense. But I mean, give me a break with some of this shit. Like, wait, let me see if I can find some of the quotes here. Like it is. Uh, um, ooh, uh, Kevin and the general manager had told me before they started the coaching search we might want to have you in some interviews, golf recalls. Uh, not like I'd be making the decision, but hey, I wanted to be there. And once I met him, ooh, I was all in if they desired to hire him. The, the, you know, <laughs> we feel like we can score on the field at any time. Like it's on and on are these quotes about, you know, just challenging Sean McVay. And do, like, what the fuck? It, it, it didn't, is it me or did Doug Peterson not out coach him at the in his house what the fuck man like what where is the and this is the problem this is why i think to your point when we questioned doug so many times from last season into this season and even halfway into the season before the winning streak happened like they were doing all of this they were doing a lot of creative awesome things the deep ball wasn't working and then it was and then we had no more questions about the offense everything fucking worked like it was a super bowl and still kind of is super bowl team it was that he got them there this offense got them to where they were and it's an injury that might stop that run so 
what's up with the Sean McVay, you know, nose in the ass thing that's that's coming around here, BLG? All right. So here's my whole thing on the Sean McVay, Doug Peterson coach of the year. Really discussion is what it comes down to. And I think to me, I mean, I'm going to say it's Doug Peterson and everyone's going to be like, oh, you're biased, whatever you write about the Eagles. I mean, here's here's how I think about it, though. Doug Peterson, when you think about coach of the year. That's an award that, to me at least, has a lot to deal with expectations. And did anyone have lower? Like, did anyone have? Did anyone think lower of Doug Peterson than almost any new head coach? I mean, ESPN literally had him ranked seventh out of all the head coaching hire, hires in 2016. And then, right before this season, a former NFL general manager, Michael Lombardi, comes out and says Doug Peterson is the least qualified head coach of the past 30 years. Like that, that happened. Someone came out and said that the expectations were so low for Doug Peterson going into this year. You know, people thought the Eagles might get to nine and seven, but, but like it wasn't anything beyond that. No one had no one in in the, the national perspective, at least had a ton of faith in Doug Peterson. So when I look at that, to me, Doug Peterson overcame expectations way more than Sean McVay because I don't think anyone doubted Sean McVay. And to answer your question, John, I think that's why he's getting a lot of hype now. He was a hot coordinator. Sure, he was young. He's, he's a young guy. And what he's done is great. I'm not trying to diminish it. But people weren't like, I don't think people were shocked by it because they saw this guy have success in Washington. And they were like, oh, yeah, this guy is going to be a hot coaching uh, coordinator name that's going to come up in the head coaching search. It wasn't like Doug Peterson, who literally just came out of nowhere. Like no one even, no one even expected Doug Peterson to be a head coach candidate in the year that he was hired. So I, to me, when you think about expectations and everything, Doug is the guy and, and a huge thing, a huge, huge, huge thing in this whole discussion is that look at the Rams injured reserve list right now. It's not very long. And the injuries they've had, the, the ones that the, the few that they have had, they're not like crucial, devastating injuries. You look at this Eagles team, they've lost most of their key players. I mean, you know, Carson Wentz, obviously, and then beyond that, Hicks and Sproles and Peters, and they were without Darby for most of the year, and Chris Maragos, and I, I don't know if I'm forgetting one, but they have had to deal with so much more adversity, this Eagles team, and they were able to overcome it. And yeah, Guess what? Doug Peterson beat Sean McVay. So, like, I don't <laughs> want to see Sean McVay because, like, what's that? And then because imagine here, too, somehow, if the Rams and the Eagles get matched up in the playoffs and Doug Peterson beats him again and somehow Sean McVay wins that. Like, that would drive me insane. Like, it's, it's an award. It's not like life or death. I don't care. It's not like I'm not super uh, inv- invested in it, but it's yeah. just kind of like, give me a break, man. Like, give Doug Peterson some credit because he doesn't seem to get any. It's ridiculous that, I, as I was saying earlier, some people are already calling him like Mike McCarthy because Carson Wentz is out and the offense is struggling. I mean, it's, it's like it's a joke. And this guy has never really gotten the benefit of the doubt. And even earlier this season, I mean, we're, you think back to like the fourth and eight thing. Like that was like people were so angry at him and just thought he was like this big, dumb buffoon. And it's just clearly not the I mean, he might not be the best speaker when it comes to the media. But I mean, <laughs> you look at the results on the field and you can't argue with him. Yeah. Well, and I don't even know why that's a that's a thing like we <laughs> As much as 
we hear answers in the the press conference and that even kind of got into a thing oh yeah and by the way from from earlier this week for the people that said why did you even need to ask if it was if Nick Foles was your starter the reason why you ask those questions is not just to have a direct answer we all know that Nick Foles is going to be the starter you ask that question to see how he responds and I thought actually Ruben Frank did a fantastic job of the follow-up is there any at any point where you would consider making a QB changed he paused for a long time answered the question and then that's where I had a problem because people kind of took that out of control it's like well he didn't dismiss it of like of course he's not going to dismiss it he's the Nate Sudfeld is the backup quarterback of this team you know, like there, there would be yeah, a but he time where he came out stronger. To interject there, I gotta ah, say he could have been like, "No, that's Nick Foles is our guy." No matter what, I'm not going to entertain hypotheticals. Like he could have said that. He could have been a little more uh, firm about it. Sure, but I mean, like I understood what he was saying, and that's more what I'm talking about when Doug is gets uncomfortable in press conference situations. People read into that way too long because at some point, yeah, because you know, four interceptions or whatever, and he did say, "I don't, you know, I don't know if I've, I haven't even thought of it like that." But yeah, I'm sure at some point you would have to do it regarding injury or if he's playing bad. Like, of course, of course, that's going to happen, but. Uh, out of all that, I think all of these things tend to sway people's opinion just on how good of a coach he is on the field, which he is. And I'm just going to go ahead and make a prediction right now without even knowing what team is going to go face the Eagles in, a, in another weekend here is that the main complaint if they lose the game is they didn't run the ball enough. That will be it. One thousand percent. It they, doesn't matter never what it was about that after the Eagles lose. <laughs> yes. And e- even when it's not working in there at two point nine yards per carry, that will be the complaint. Doug could have won that football game if they just ran it a little more. And that would have been that and let the defense solve it and whatever. But the whole point of, of this discussion between me and BLG is to say, stop it. Doug Peterson has done a phenomenal job this year. This season is a success, whether you want to have a, a meta discussion about that in the long term of just like, well, it's just another year if they didn't win a championship, but it's obviously not because of anyone's control, if that's true. And hey, they still can win this. I know BLG doesn't really feel that way. I've kind of come around to the fact that like, you know what? I've seen stupider things happen. I've seen worse teams win Super Bowls when they shouldn't have. And... You know, I, I, I still think there's a little bit of hope. I really do. BLG, I, I honestly do think this this defense can just go, fuck you guys, turn the switch on, and at least win the division around. And then after that, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think for one game they can do that. Do you believe that de- this defense can get that fired up for one game? Absolutely. That's the thing that I, I haven't given up hope entirely on this team. I, um, they're obviously I'm not as hopeful as I was, especially with Nick Foles not looking as good. But I you, you guys heard me say it after the Giants game. What did I say? I said, I believe in this home defense. And that was, again, after a really bad performance against the Giants. And guess what? The Eagles came back to the link. They had two good games defensively. You know, they played well against Raiders. They first five turnovers. They shut them down for the most part. And then the backups came in and played well against the Cowboys starters, which is, you know, that's nice to see. So I believe in this home defense. And it's, it's not just a small sample size. You look back at last year, same thing, really good home defense. And you look at how it's not just bad teams they're playing. I mean, an undefeated, I think at the time, Vikings team came into Philadelphia with the same sleeves. And the Eagles beat the crap out of them. And the Falcons who had an offense that was historically great. Jim Schwartz shut that team down, and you had Leotis McKelvin, my favorite player, 
<laughs> starting at cornerback <laughs> of at the time. all time. Yes. So, so I mean, like you have to feel good and, and looking at it, uh, adding some context to the numbers the Eagles have allowed this season. I'm going to run off real quick, like 24, 7, 24, 10, 16, 3, 10, 6. Those are the point totals the Eagles have allowed. And there was garbage time touchdowns in there, like one for Washington. And then the 49ers scored a touchdown on a short field after Carson Wentz threw an interception. And the Broncos scored a, a touchdown after they were down like 50-0 to zero or whatever. And then the Cowboys had a touchdown last week, obviously, against the Eagles' backups. So, you know, you, you look at that, and the I think the Eagles' defense has even been better than you, you might expect in some circumstances. And then even the Giants game. I mean, Chris Maragos was starting. Fourth string safety. So the Eagles defense right now is mostly intact. And, you uh, you know, again, except for Hicks, but you, you have to feel good about what they have going there. I was looking back at the last 10 Super Bowl winners in terms of DVOA and points and yards allowed, all of that. I think you could argue the Eagles have a better defense than six of the past 10 Super Bowl winners. And, and obviously... That's not like the only meter there because the those teams all pretty much have mostly. I'm pretty sure actually all those teams had better quarterbacks than <laughs> yes. uh, the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, you can debate like end of his career Peyton Manning versus Nick Foles. I think there's at least some debate there, but for the most part, I mean, all those quarterbacks were better. So I'm not saying that guarantees the Eagles anything, but I have hope in the defense. I think this defensive line could. Look, John, what were we saying going into the year? I kept saying this Eagles offensive line is going to eat. Like, I, I was so bought in mm-hmm. on this Eagles defensive line. And I think Fletcher Cox has the potential to, and he needs to, to take over games in the middle there and just be this dominant monster on the inside. In the pass rush, you know, they've done a great job all year with Brandon Graham and Chris Long and Derek Barnett and, and Vinnie Curry. Even Vinnie Curry's having a great year. And I think those guys can really step up and make some plays. So I'm not giving up hope. But to me, my hope right now is in the defense. Yeah, and I just uh, they've there's too many guys that have been there before, been close to it, or have been on this team for too long that know. Hey, you know these don't these things don't come around that often, and uh, I I really do think it can go through there, and that's why when we discuss coaches and we do a lot of that different stuff, I I, I think there is some. I, some more eyes that need to be on Jim Schwartz because it's it's been a weird couple of weeks for him too in this in this squad and I think they'll be ready but at the same time I think a lot of our eyes need to turn that way and, and speaking of turning that way too and uh, BLG I apologize because you probably can't hear this whole thing but here uh, were some of the cuts that ha- have been happening with the the coaching searches Ian Rappaport had come on the Marks and Reese show and uh, Joe Giglio was filling in uh, yesterday with that. So they were just asking about these, uh, you know, DiFilippo and Schwartz and the movement between there. Uh, here was his response towards the uh, the Jim Schwartz rumors here. Unless you talk to Dave Gettleman, who is make, literally making the hire, I have a hard time imagining that anyone know who the favorite is, especially when the interviews haven't started. I at least know he's now going to get a shot. I didn't think it was going to happen. I was told it was probably not going to happen. And now he is at least getting a shot. So that's more or less what BLG has been saying for a long time, where, you know, it's a it's kind of unexpected and a little bit of like, I didn't think he was actually going to get a shot. And I think both of you and I agree that his name would come up and he probably isn't going to get a gig. But uh, gut feeling that Jim Schwartz goes to the New York Giants? I don't think it happens. I don't think Jim Schwartz gets hired at all as a head coach this year. I just, 
when you look about around the NFL and you see what kind of guys are valued in today's NFL, I mean, how many teams are really hot for defensive coordinators? I mean, there's there's some, sure, but it's not the trend. I think the trend is more of like a Sean McVay or even a Kyle Shanahan right now, these offensive guys, and I think that's why John Filippo is such a hot name. I think, you know, this doesn't mean everything, but I don't know if you'd seen it, John, that ESPN poll. I mean, they, they polled 45 of their combined reporters and analysts and some of the former players that worked there. And Jim Schwartz was like at the bottom of the list. He only got like two fifth place votes. I, I don't think <laughs> he's viewed as highly as some people think that he is. I mean, including himself, <laughs> including himself. Yeah. And I think that is, by the way, you bring that up right now. I think that's where a lot of these rumors are coming from. I think it's coming from either him or his agent. I think they're trying to create a market for Jim Schwartz and kind of seem, try to make it seem like there's more interest than there really is. Cause that seems to be my impression. And look, you know, Jim Schwartz was not great. He obviously got fired by the lions. He, that wasn't a great stint in Detroit for him. So that's going to be a black mark on his record. He still has, he has to overcome that still. And I think two years with this Eagles defense, while he's done a great job, I think, or for the most part, or at least a very good job, I don't think it, it's having teams out there being like, oh, we got to have this guy. I just don't think that's the case. I mean, they, they're, the Giants right now are literally driving in snow to go interview Patricia and McDaniels because the planes are all down and they couldn't get anywhere. So I think that's a pretty good indicator of like, Hey, we want to make sure we interview these guys, you know. I and I, I I'm right there with you, BLG. With De Filippo, however, again, uh, Ian Rappaport, same show on uh, the Marks and Reese show, said uh, said some other different things about John De Filippo here. First of all, I do actually think he's going to be head coach. Um, he's got a couple places where he's pretty strong. To me. Chicago is the one to keep an eye on, you know, and it, it's interesting because, you know, that was a place where when they're looking at Mitchell Trubisky, they want him to be like Carson Wentz. They think he can be like Carson Wentz. Played a little bit rookie year, had some moments, you know, but really never quite took the step. And then in year two with great coaching, took the big step. That's where they want Mitchell Trubisky to be. Certainly would make a lot of sense to hire the coach, you know, bright young coach, really promising, who helped Carson Wentz take the leap. Now, there's a couple of things in there. Uh, yeah, I think Chicago makes all the sense in the world for Filippo to go to because if they view him as, as Ian just said, uh, as their Carson Wentz, which first of all, <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, but with John Filippo, I think they can make him look like an all pro. I think with, uh, you know, Vic Fangio being on the other side, who's incredibly smart and like just the, one of the most underrated coaches, I think in the NFL, uh, certainly in terms of his DC, like that is exactly the formula of what everybody's been looking for in the copycat league. As we're mentioned in the Mike Silver article, they're looking for McVeigh and Goff. And that is exactly what John Filippo is. So that that's a no-brainer. Arizona is another place where it uh, was also mentioned in this. Uh, the Colts are still a possibility, although they look like more second or third options. And overall, I can't believe the hottest name that is going into this NFL season is Pat Shermer. Please, somebody wake me up from that. Uh, but uh, I, I do think that it is going to be impossible for John Filippo to stay here, which does concern me a little bit in in the future because I do think he's heavily uh, involved not only with Carson's development, and that's exactly why they blocked him in the first place, but also just 
in in certain play calling. I know he's got a lot to do with the red zone situations, uh, and that is, uh, and he's definitely in Doug's ear a lot. So it's a it's a good group, and you hate to see it. And yeah, of course they can overcome it, but yeah, BLG it makes sense. Chicago makes sense, and honestly, with all of the quarterbacks that have been declared, and there's no real consensus. Number one between Rosen and Sam, and you know Lamar's still trying to figure out what he's doing. You got Baker Mayfield. There's a lot of different options for these guys to go, and there's just. They, uh, uh, fortunately and unfortunately, there's enough for DeFilippo to leave, and there's not quite enough coaching, head coaching opportunities for Schwartz to leave. Uh, what do you think if, if DeFilippo go, does go to Chicago? How does it affect this team? Has there been a single quarterback in the NFL who's been really good and has lost a quarterback coach and suddenly became not so good? Can we think of anyone off? Like, can you think of anyone, John, off the top of your head? Um, I, I, I bet, not really. I bet you can't. Exactly. So I, I think there's something. I think this is a little. I think there's. I think this is a little different. But I, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, it's still Doug Peterson here, which we just said is a really good coach. And I, I that's not. I'm. I don't think Flip is bad. You know, that's that's not me trying to take away from Flip. I just don't think we see that regularly, where it's like, oh, you know, this guy lost his quarterback coach, and he was just never the same player again. I I don't I don't buy that. And Carson Wentz is playing at an MVP level. I mean, at some to some extent, I mean, that's or a large extent, that's him. You know, it's it's what he's able to do. I mean, he was the number two pick for a reason, and this guy is extremely talented. There are things with Carson Wentz that you can see. You know, that you like I always say, use this phrase, you can hang your hat on with him. So I think losing Flip wouldn't be ideal. And even if he doesn't get a head coaching job, I think he's gone anyway because it, it's been put out there that his contract will be up after this Eagles season. So if he wants to, if he doesn't get a head coaching job and if he wants to move on to being an offensive coordinator somewhere, there'll probably be a role for him. So either way, I think it is likely that the Eagles lose Flip. Uh, I don't know who they replace him with. There, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if Press Taylor, who is the Eagles' assistant quarterback coach, is really the guy. He's only 29 years old. The Eagles hired this guy named Trent Miles, which is an interesting, like, dark horse name to keep on. Right before the 2017 season, he was a, a college coach for some smaller coaches, and he was yeah, Georgia, Georgia report- State University. Yeah, exactly. He was reportedly hired to work with the quarterbacks. He only has a title of coaching assistant, so I kind of want to ask Doug Peterson about him when I get a chance. So Ben McAdoo obviously is the guy you have to go out and hire. No, please don't. <laughs> that would that, go grab him. The optics of that would be just so bad. But um, one name I will bring up that I think could be interesting. It's Jim Caldwell, everyone's favorite statue on the sideline. That's not a bad idea. Well, here's the thing. Jim Caldwell has 15 years of experience as a quarterback coach dating back to college. Uh, He obviously worked with Peyton Manning. That's great. Joe Flacco had one of his best regular seasons under Caldwell. And Jim Caldwell was also the quarterback coach when Flacco got like ridiculously hot in the playoffs and won a Super Bowl. He had like 11 touchdowns and zero interceptions in that postseason run. And... The icing on the cake, Joe Douglas was with the Ravens when Jim Caldwell was mm-hmm. there for two years. So you have that Ravens connection, too. So maybe that's something to watch out there. Maybe you get a, a good rep- or a decent replacement for Flip, too. It's not just like you're bringing in nobody here. And maybe even if they don't, I mean, you hired Doug Peterson, who's a former quarterback, and you hired Frank Reich, who's a former quarterback, for a reason. Like It wasn't just Flip as the guy in here. You have other guys on the coaching staff who are here as well and can make an impact and, and deserve credit. I mean, for as much as we give Flip credit for developing Carson Wentz, absolutely. But, I mean, we can't just say Doug Peterson and Frank Reich did nothing either. Yes, no, absolutely. And there is I, – I, I still actually – 
don't really know what Frank Reich's ultimate role is in everything, but it's not like he doesn't do anything, guys. You know, that's that's part of it, too. I just almost wonder if, you know, if if the roles were reversed and if uh, DeFilippo was an offensive coordinator, if he would even go. That's the only difference, because I, I, I could I could see him staying if it was something like that. And then he can just kind of pick and choose his perfect spot. Chicago is still a perfect spot. And I think that's. That's a little bit underrated when we're talking about the brass ring of things, even though all these teams have their faults. I, I think Chicago's still your best landing spot. Would you would you rank them any differently here, BLG? Is, is going to the Cardinals or going to the Giants any easier? Well, I love deep dish pizza, you know. So I mean, I would, ah, yes. I'm all about going to Chicago, hometown getting, Chicago, <laughs> and getting some good food. <laughs> I think they are, though. I mean, like you just said, that Vic Fangio defense. If they end up keeping him, which I, you know, they should I try to, yeah. I think I think that would be pretty good. I think you. Um, I think I was looking back at something where I'd read on Twitter uh, that you look at the Eagles or sorry the Bears how they've been in close games a lot in recent years, and it, they've kind of just been one of those teams like the Eagles last year that kind of just has had bad luck in those close games. So they're kind of due for some some regression in a positive way in that mm-hmm. sense. So yeah, I think Chicago is a pretty pretty good gig for flip and i just think it makes too much sense almost not yeah it's, i mean it's just that you have two really good running backs you've got you know a rookie quarterback that's uh, i don't know i guess kind of looks like he was finding a way to throw a football the last three games of the season it'll be interesting but and that's that's part of the doug peterson discussion that we are having because i i know if he goes and has success somewhere people are going to talk and if this eagle season gets a little slower off to a slower start because of Carson's still just trying to get comfortable back on the field again or whatever for the first three weeks or if he misses out misses a little more time than we expected and it's not that great of a season next year which I fully expect to happen like you know between shuffling and there's another draft in here and there and I'm not saying like a a total turnaround but like a a 10-win playoff team that doesn't look as good uh, I, I and people will start to point if Chicago has success. I, I that's my other prediction into this new year. So uh, we'll get to uh, some other things as we're closing out because uh, I just need to do a, a little bit of quick dunking uh, on some uh, some rookie running back action. As uh, it's you know because it's it's time to do that. It's time to spike the football in some of the draft takes, right? Uh, so we'll do that. But first, it's time for the picks. Hit me. It's time to ring the bell. And place some bets. Hey, I don't want your money punching my money. Here come our NFL picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. It's the wild card edition of the NFL picks, and they are brought to you by the casino at Delaware Park, where you can watch and wager all of this weekend's playoff games. And it's a fantastic facility, by the way. I mean, they have all of the TVs, all individual ones, because, you know, they, they have the horse races there. So you can do it that way. You can watch directly from the sports book or go to the lounge where we like to hang out. And there's beers and food and a lot of fun. Plus, the betting poll is uh, or the, the betting action is right there as well. It's just down the road from 95. Uh, it won't be snowing, so you don't have any excuses. Casino at Delaware Park is a lottery agent of the Delaware Lottery, and you must be 21 to play, but BLG, you certainly don't have to be 21 to watch. Let us head down to New Orleans, where the beignets will be hot, but the Carolina Panthers might not be, as they are a seven point dog going down to New Orleans. Now, New Orleans has beaten this team twice pretty handily. 
uh, pretty easily. One uh, by the scoreboard. One by the scoreboard was a little closer, but it didn't really matter anyway. What's your gut feeling in Carolina and New Orleans, sir? Well, you just said it there, John. This Saints team has beaten the Panthers twice now, and those were legit wins. It wasn't like they were back and forth games. To me, the Saints were clearly the better team in those games. I just think... I'm not a big believer in this Carolina team, and I think the way this, the Saints match up with that Panthers team, I just, I give me the Saints. They're at home. This Saints team is arguably, you know, one of the best teams right now in the NFC. You could argue they're one of the most, uh, the, the teams that you don't want the Eagles to play. So I have to take the Saints here. I know it's seven points, but man, I just, I'm not a big believer in that Panthers team, and I haven't really been all season, so I don't know why I would take them now. Yeah, I'm not a big believer in the Panthers team either, but, uh, oh! Ring the bell, baby, because I'll take the points. I don't think it's going to be seven. And even though people are going to give you the stat, and it is a it is an ass-whomping stat. Drew Brees, 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions, 300-plus yards, and like a, a perfect QB rating when he's at home in the playoffs. It's hard to beat the same team three times in a row. I'm uh, going to go with that and be wrong and be happy about it, but I'm still doing it anyway. I apologize for the burp, but that's how excited I got to ring the bell. So let us uh, travel to the AFC where, man, just a couple of snooze fests. Sorry, honey. I'm not going to lie to you, but Jacksonville and Buffalo is not an exciting playoff <laughs> game for anybody. 39 and a half the over-under, but this is a whomper. The Jacksonville Jaguars are a nine-point favorite at home, which... Is supposed to be good in the playoffs. Hasn't really been that great for them during the regular season. But, uh, you know, without a doubt, LaShawn McCoy is going to play. And let that just be known now. Even if he looks dead, he's he's going in this one, BLG. But I'm going to stick with Jacksonville, even though that minus nine is much too high. And now I'm even reconsidering it on it. You know what? I'm flipping it. I'm going with the Jacksonville wins. Buffalo covers. Jacksonville's defense is going to make. Uh, uh, Tyrod Taylor looked like crap, and that and and between him and Calvin Benjamin, it's going to be a nightmare for them to try and get anything going offensively. So I think Jacksonville wins, but I also think Blake Bortles keeps them in it, and I'll, I'll say Jacksonville by four. Yeah, I'm going to ring the bell oh! on your original on your original pick, but yeah. I'm going to agree with you on your on your flip pick because yeah, I mean I, I see Shady is banged up, so that kind of gives me a little bit of skepticism there, but. I don't know. Nine points is a lot. Again, like it's Blake Bortles, guys. Like Blake Bortles, and again, I'm sorry, Laurie, but Blake Bortles can just come in here and like throw like a, a ton of picks out of nowhere. So I don't feel great about him. I think this could be close game. I mean, nine points. Yeah, that's just a lot, man. I know the Jaguars' defense is good, but I think this Buffalo team will be able to do something mm-hmm. and at least keep this game competitive. So give me the points this week, Jacksonville may very well win this game but i think it'll be at least close uh yeah it's it's weird to have a nine point favorite and a 39 over and under like that's just it's weird so i don't i don't like that it throws throws the whole shebang off let's go back to the nfc the night game that is uh, gonna be on saturday uh 8 15 your uh favorite uh head coach in mine sean McVay, and the los angeles rams staying at home uh, it's it's kind of wavering. I bet this kind of goes up a little further when it comes to game time. But 48 and a half the over-under, the biggest of the weekend. Uh, no, I take that back. It's the same as Carolina and New Orleans. But at the same time, 
Still going to be a slugfest, and I don't think it's going to be much of one. I think Atlanta's pretty much out of this thing early. I'm going to take the Rams. I'm going to take the Rams uh, heavy here, BLG. I just don't think Atlanta has enough firepower to go beat that defense. I wouldn't be shocked if the Falcons won because I don't think the Rams, you know, it's not like the Rams have this incredible home field advantage. And as as good as their offense has been, and I think Todd Gurley's obviously a monster and their defense can do some nice things. You know, like Jared Goff still isn't the most scary guy to me going up against him. So uh, I can't take the Falcons, though. Just I haven't been on them either. I don't I don't think they're very scary at all. I think they're actually probably the most ideal matchup, arguably, for the Eagles in the playoffs here. So. I'm going to take the Rams, too. Again, it wouldn't shock me if the Rams somehow lost that game, but I, I'm going to take them to win. Yeah, uh, I think that's uh, probably, the hopefully, the most entertaining matchup of the weekend because Kansas City, Kansas City, excuse me, uh, is, uh, I don't, I, this game's weird, too. Tennessee is the worst playoff team that's in here. Maybe you can make the argument for Buffalo, uh, but they think this is going to be a high-scoring affair, and I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, 44 and a half, the over and under uh, for this one in Kansas City. Another big whopper, a nine point favorite at home. Makes a ton of sense. Kansas City does have a home field advantage. They've played well uh, there. And I, I think Mike Malarkey loses his job in the second quarter here, BLG. I think Kansas City pretty much takes care of this team. And it's going to look uh, ugly uh, to start off the playoffs this weekend. Yeah, the Titans suck. I mean, to me, it's that simple. Like, they didn't deserve to be in the playoffs by. By my, in my opinion, I think you look at you look at like how they rank in DVOA. It's 18th. You look at their point differential, which I'm trying to pull up here, but the standings aren't loading, so that's not helping me out here. But um, <laughs> thanks I know it's a lot, NFL.com. Yeah, I know it might be it might be negative. It's 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 not good. Whatever it is, it's not good. They're clearly every year you have you usually have like a team like this that kind of gets into the playoffs or, or wins way ma- more games than they should. Because uh, on the other hand, you get some teams too, like the Eagles last year, that get a little unlucky, so it balances out. But uh, yeah, I just don't buy this this Titans team at all. And the, the Chiefs are home. Andy Reid is going to be able to take care of a bad team in the first round, especially. Give me the Chiefs all day. The Titans are a minus twenty two in point differential, so that is uh, quite telling yeah. in their in their entire conference. Like it's it's amazing. The Jacksonville Jaguars are a plus one forty nine to uh to end the year and their entire division is minus 22 as we said that's the titans they're in the playoffs the colts are minus 141 the texans minus 98 unbelievable so uh oh and another reason even despite the last couple of weeks of the regular season eagles are still plus 162 which is tied for the patriots and i believe that is the league lead it is so Doug Peterson's a good coach, ladies and gentlemen. That's that's how we're going to go with that. Uh, I think that it's going to be, uh, uh, hopefully, it's a it's a fun playoffs. But I mean, that's the other thing we forgot to touch on, BLG. The last last year was an absolute stinker, right up until the Super Bowl. Whole playoffs. I can't even terrible. remember. Like, I can't even think back to like Miami and oh. and Pittsburgh and the, the concussions oh, with and more oh, quarterback. Terrible. That's all I'm hoping for is just a decent, uh, a decent kickoff. Make it entertaining, even though that we know these these teams are bad. But any any uh, final thoughts as we're heading out toward towards Wild Card Weekend here? 
Not really. I mean, it's it's a week off for the Eagles, so it's kind of just been a nice little time to, I guess, catch your breath. I think it's been great how the Eagles wanted to get back to practice this week. They were the ones who said to Doug Peterson, you know, we want to practice, and they, they apparently had a really tough physical practice on Wednesday, so that's good to know that they're, they're kind of gearing up for this thing and getting uh, ready for this playoff game, and you know, for as much as it's easy to feel down, and obviously I know I don't feel great about the offense and Nick Foles with this team. Again, I still buy that defense. They're going to be at home. It should be fun. At the very least, out of all this, they're going to be, again, it's a home playoff game. The fans will be there in the stands. Hopefully it's competitive. I think it will be. And at the very least, we will get a playoff game. It's always going to be painful to think that, you know, the season could have been so much more. But... At least it wasn't the worst thing ever. At least we're not the Browns. We're not 0-16. Yeah, that's very true. There's there's a lot of other different situations that uh, I would hate to be in as a fan if it was uh, yeah, another franchise. couple of things here because it is the, the end of the regular season. We're talking about the playoffs. How about this? How about Leonard Fournette is the 10th player since the merger to have 1,000 yards rushing, 300 yards receiving, and 10-plus TDs by his 13th game. Running back! Number one, it was never in question. There's dunk number one. Uh, Dunk number two, and and BLG touched on this, and I think we did throughout the podcast. Once we come away from whatever happens in the divisional round, we are going to look back, and in fact, it happened today. I was clearing out my phone, and I saw a play from Carson Wentz that I had forgotten about, and it was against the Chargers where he rolled in. Uh, It was a play-action pass. He dugged out and then ran for 13 more yards as he juked out, a, 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 I believe it was one of the safeties of the Chargers and got a first down. And you just go, holy shit, that guy is in Philadelphia. And the only thing that I regret, even though it was a lot of fun going up against, you know, draft Twitter this year. And we, we definitely uh, blew our load when it, when it came to the we were right before Christmas. And thank you for everybody that came out to that because that was just a, a nice a nice part of fun to blow off some steam and celebrate Carson Wentz. I wish I enjoyed it even more through the process and I just didn't argue the entire time because, man, is he good. And, and I think we got our wake up call from that through the, the, the as, as we're kind of it went back to that 2014-15 feel when we're debating backup quarterbacks but at the end of the day no matter what happens and even if they struggle in next season and whatever and there's still more talent that can be surrounded during the draft we're not talking about the draft right now we're talking about playoff games we're talking about a, a possible and we said it all year a guy that could become fucking Tom Brady Joe Montana Aaron Rodgers whatever special kind of QB he is here despite the injury, and it is, it's an amazing thing to see. And remember that this season was successful no matter what happens, and uh, I am pumped for the future, and I am pumped for the playoffs, and I hope you are too. And that's going to do it for episode number 291 of the BGN Radio podcast right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and BGNRadio.com. We'll see you guys. Stretch your hand and I'm going to chop it off. I dare you ask for a favor from your boss's boss. Shrimp, scampi, angel head noodles, white wine sauce. Rwanda and Ross, reload the Nina Ross. Settle metal when I'm focused on the green Dinero. Hocus Pocus, Gucci Lopez, cake with bacon soda. Cake for soldiers move away from Maine and Nova Scotia. Bang revolvers, problem solvers, that and pain the mothers. Lost a child, puts the play when they hear the loud. 
nightmares Walking dead cause they sleep prepared You either sheep or shit, be scared and cut to pieces I lust for custom coops with the honey mustard features Butterfly doors, a whore that makes wine or sober Her beauty stunning, plus she funny, that's the proper order Head nods and cat calls cause it's pops in order Yeah, I'm stuntin' all the world is my stage show Dallas streets cruising around about